This is the Travel Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Propelic, bringing you the news and insights and what's working and not working in today's competitive transportation and tourism landscape. From emerging brands to the most established professionals, these lessons of intelligent marketing will help your marketing plan travel further. Hey, Travel Marketer. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Travel Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Propelic. Today, we interview Jeff Walker, who's the founder of Underground Donut Tour. They've got 13 locations across the U.S. and internationally, and it's one of the coolest tours and activities businesses I've ever come across. He's brilliant, and he's also a marketer, so he knows a lot about how to grow a tour and activities business. So I'm excited for everybody to hear this, especially people in that space. In this session, we talk about what to do with unbooked tour times. He had a great idea about that. And then how to think about paid versus organic traffic. And finally, when you should give up on an underperforming channel. He's a marketer. He's an impressive guy. I had a great conversation with him. And with that said, let's get started. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Jeff. I'm super excited to dive in today. I know that we initially crossed paths because we're both speaking at the Arrival Conference in Vegas. But just as we do with all of these episodes, I want to start by asking you what your most memorable travel experience has been. Sure. So uh, there are numerous, but a couple that I'll call out most recently, probably in the last couple of years, my wife and her parents and her brother we all went to Iceland and it was nuts. Everywhere you turn, everything you see in Iceland is the most amazing, the most shocking, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. If anybody has not been, I would absolutely highly recommend going to, to Iceland. It's, you know, their tourism is their, I think, number one industry these days. And it's, I, I could see why it's, it's incredible, incredible place to go. Did you go in the summer or the winter? We went in the summer, but uh, sort of on the DL, you know, for the Underground Donut Tour, I may or may not be looking at opening a tour there in the near future. I'm, I'm super excited to talk about Underground Donut Tour and your Iceland expansion. Are you, would that be your first international location? No, no, no. This would be, I mean, depending on when we launch it, either could be our fourth or fifth or sixth location. So currently, internationally, we have London, Dublin, Vancouver. And in a couple of weeks, I will be going to, I'm not going to say which city, but I'm going to open another Canadian city uh, soon. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess that's a fantastic segue into Underground Donut Tours. Tell the people listening what Underground Donut Tours is, what you're trying to do, and what makes it unique. Yeah. I mean, the other uh, travel experience I was going to mention was Florence, Italy. And that was sort of the the starting point for um, for the Donut Tours. So probably about 10-ish years ago, I went with my family to Florence, Italy. And we went on this like day trip. It was like a day-long tour where we went to this uh, Italian market and we picked out you know meats and cheeses and bread and all this kind of stuff. Then they put us on a bus and we went up to the hillside and we made like fresh pasta. And then, I mean, like these amazing like roast with cheese and wine. It was just an amazing day. And so coming out of the experience, I got back to Chicago and I just thought that was just so awesome. And I love the whole experience and I wish I could do that more often. And right around that time in Chicago, there was a whole, you know, there were all these donut shops that were just popping up. And for me personally, I have loved donuts forever. And I was like, how can I put the fun of that experience together with something I'm passionate about? And that was really the inception for the Underground Donut Tour. So the Underground Donut Tour, I started here in Chicago about seven years ago, just by myself, just as like a hobby. And I just started doing it on the weekends just by myself. And for about the first two or three years, it was just me just running the tour by myself. And then all of a sudden, it started to take off. We started to get a bunch of reviews. We started to see more people that were booking online. Tours were starting to sell out. And then all of a sudden, it was like, well, I think I need to hire some people. And so then I hired a couple of people, brought them on, trained them how to do it. 
And then we got a random email from a guy in Philly and he was like, Hey, let's do this in Philly. And that was, that was sort of one of the inflection points of the business was like, okay, well, I guess we can do this in more than one city. And so we did it in Philly. We kicked it off in Philly and it was a huge success in Philly. And that just sort of jumpstarted the whole U.S. expansion. So now we have 10 locations in the U.S. Then in the last year, we've launched international and now all bets are off. I'm, I'm looking all, all over the world, every single continent. I can, I can find donuts. That's where we're, we're going next. Yeah, I'm in Austin, Texas, and I was kind of disappointed that Austin's donut shops aren't close enough to each other because I don't get to to experience an underground donut tour. But I will I will have to do that next time I'm in Philly or New York for sure. Totally. I am super excited. So I, I want to talk about underground donut tours a little bit. And I also want to talk about Experiment because one of the unique things that's going to be great for this conversation is that you have a marketing background, so much so that that's your other thing that you're doing. Correct. And it's it's been half your time on marketing or whatever the proportion is, I'm not sure. But tell me a little bit about Experiment just and what you're doing there to give some context to the listeners. And then we can dive into how that plays into your work at Underground Donut Tour. Sure thing. So I, I have been marketing agency and client side for pretty much my entire career. I, I've worked predominantly in the agency world at a mix of very small and very large agencies. I don't know if I can mention any of them. But anyway, I, I have worked at a, a number of them. Yeah, go for it. Uh, this is there's no censorship on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I worked at PhD for a while. I worked at Critical Mass for a while. I've worked at like small B2B uh, boutique agencies, B2C agencies. I've worked at Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I worked at a company called JC Whitney, which was automotive aftermarket parts. I've been all over the place. And in the last couple of years, I've just had it in the back of my head where I said, you know, I've worked for other people and it's been great and I've learned a ton. But I got to the point where I was like, I just feel like doing my own thing. And so in the last pretty much Jan 1 of this year was when I launched Experiment. Um, and that's that's really my own like analytics, digital marketing, marketing automation agency. And so that's that's what I've been doing. I've been doing that in parallel with the Underground Donut Tour for the last nine months. Wow. That's a... <laughs> I can barely do one job. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Since we're already talking a little bit about marketing and what you're doing in Experiment, I want to just take a deep dive um, into marketing strategy and talk about it in the context of Underground Donut Tour because really a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this are, I mean, we're, we're going to be speaking both of us at a conference that's for tours and activities, right? So people there might be listening to it and, and other operators. So I'm curious real quickly before we dive too deep into it, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm kind of sick of it. But real quickly, what was the pandemic like for Underground Donut Tour? Um, I mean, it, we, for, for all intents and purposes, we shut down. I mean, you know, there, there really wasn't anything we could do. Yeah. For the most part, you know, I would say in the last, probably a pretty much calendar year um, is when we were able to start things back up. I remember maybe like July or August of last year is in, in some cities, again, depending on the lockdown situation, depending on the comfort level just my management philosophy in general is really just, I'm here to enable my managers and guide success. And so at no point am I going to say, you need to get back out there. It's really just, well, if you feel comfortable and you want to start running tours again, it is completely up to you. If you want, like I will, I will start the marketing engine up and we will start getting bookings, but it's up to you to tell me when and how to do that. And so, you know, depending on each market and depending on the managers and the guides that we have in place, like, some of them said, yep, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. The city that I'm in just took off their mask regulations. They're now allowing you to go inside at restaurants. So whatever the, whatever the rollout was, I mean, Portland was one of the last ones 
that we relaunched because they just had really strict regulations in place. And so it was kind of like a rolling ramp back up. But now we're going gangbusters now. That's fantastic. I'm going to visit one of our clients, Grand European Tours in Portland in a couple of weeks. So that's where I'm going to do my donut tour for sure. You absolutely should. Absolutely. I guess one of the things that I think about when you talk about this is really a conversation about employee empowerment, right? And team member empowerment. Mm -hmm. One of the things from Traction, which is a book by Gino Wickman that talks about how to run a business, EOS is the system it it talks about is the three competencies of GWC, get it, want it, capacity to do it. And it sounds like your team, your team gets it and wants it, and you give them the capacity to do it. If there was one thing that I wish I'd learned sooner, it was that. Yeah, it's both practically, but also like logistically. I just, at no point can I say, I'm going to get on a flight and fly to Portland and force you to get back out there and do the tours. Like I just, I just can't. And now that we get, we're starting to go globally, like it becomes even more, you know, prescient for me to, um, to have good people in place, to make them accountable, responsible, and, you know, trust them that they're going to make the right decisions and they're going to do what's best for, for them and the business and our guests and our customers. Like, all those things together. So I'm I'm here to I'm here to enable them and empower them. And if they say, "Hey, we need more bookings," I will do everything in my power to get more bookings. If they're like, "Hey, we we have turnover, we have some issues with the tour. There's I don't know issues in the city specifically. Like we need to throttle the tours back." We'll do that too. You know, it's it's very much hand in hand that we're we're making these adjustments and, and optimizing accordingly. So it's interesting because rarely do I hear in conversations like these or conversations that I'm just having casually, do I hear how distinctly you can turn on and off the marketing system. So I kind of want to talk about that in in the context of channels, because obviously you can pay for a click, um, whether it's through an OTA, whether it's through sure. um, Google Direct, which I know you're doing some Google ads, but you obviously you can't turn off content marketing as easily. You can't turn off social marketing as easily if it's not paid. So how do you, what's your mindset around what that mix looks like, what to do that's paid versus what to do that's not paid and having control over your spend? I would say that we, that is still something that we're figuring out from a paid perspective. We, we essentially have Google ads on 24 7 365 i mean like that's just that's always running that's always on otas always on we're always you know trying to tweak our listings on there we're always trying to like figure out how we can drive more reviews how can we drive more bookings how can we like optimize our, our listing work with the ota partners which are fantastic i know in the tourism space otas get a bad rap a lot of times um we've had nothing but positive things and success to to say about them obviously yes everybody wants more margin and everything like that but like because we're a niche product, we wouldn't exist without them. For instance, Chicago, we're, we're not a pizza tour. There's like 100 pizza tours in Chicago. Everybody knows that there's pizza tours in Chicago. Nobody knows that there's donut tours in Chicago. And so we very much have to capitalize on their traffic and their listings to have our business exist. And without them, it doesn't. So, I mean, we very much have to have to work with them and figure out how to, how to partner with them and how to maximize them. So that's from a paid perspective. Before we jump to organic, I just want to point out something there. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, I think, important for anybody who doesn't see this. But if you're not paying the OTAs a commission or a percent of the booking, then you're having to get the business elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And you have to pay for that some other way, right? So whatever your distribution channel is, whether it's direct or through an OTA, that 10, 15, 20%, whatever it may be, the booking revenue. I wish it was less. I wish it was those numbers that you put out, but yeah, go ahead. 25, right? Yeah. 25, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the whole takeaway is like, 
it's not an either or. It's comprehensive, especially when it's in a demand gen situation, because if somebody doesn't know, just like you were saying about your tour or what you do, you need to generate that demand. And you can't do that with inbound as easily, at least not as easily. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, the thing is, it's it becomes, I would say it's extremely cost prohibitive for, uh, for instance, like there are certain terms that I would love to go after, but it would be nearly impossible for us to like, for instance, let's, let's talk about like even the term food tours. If I want to advertise against Chicago food tours, New York food tours, like Portland food tours. First, every tour business in those cities is going after that. And second, every food tour business is going after that. And third, all the OTAs are going after that. The OTAs have endless budgets. So. <laughs> right. So I need to figure out where I can win consistently. And so as a result, I have to like I have to drive the mindshare using their platform. Essentially, then people will say, oh, I saw this underground donut tour thing, or I saw this don't Portland donut tour thing. And uh, then they go over to Google and they're like, I don't know, let's see if I can get some more information from it. And then it becomes a head-to-head situation because we're even in then when we're, they're, turning, they're searching for branded terms, we are competing head-to-head with the OTAs and our own website. We're trying to get bookings direct. Yeah. The interesting thing is like, you, there's documented proof that you've created the demand because I'm just looking at a tool called Ahrefs that we use for SEO and that just estimates search volume based on clickstream data. And there are 600 people searching donut tour Chicago per month and 600 more people searching Chicago donut tour per month. So that's, mm-hmm. that's 1,200 searches that didn't exist before you t- created the demand. And that demand is through OTAs because that's how people found the tours originally. And you created right. this segment. So. But now I was, I cut you off when you were about to start talking about your philosophy around paid. I want to hear a little bit about that. I mean, about um, organic. Yeah. So then from the organic side, and this is, this is where you need to figure out like what is quote unquote truly organic. Right. And the the way I say that is because, you know, we work with influencers, bloggers, press. I mean, like all these folks where we say, Hey, you know, we would love to have you come on the tour. We will give you free tickets if you come and just have some coverage for us. And so technically it's like, well, is that truly paid or is that truly organic? Because I mean, I'm quote unquote financially compensating them. So I'll let everybody decide where that falls in the camp. So one of the things that we've we've started adopting and doing recently is, you know, for us, we have scheduled tours every week. And so we say, hey, listen, we're going to run tours on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Great. Well, sometimes we have holes in the schedule where it's like, well, we didn't get any bookings for Thursday. We didn't get any bookings for Friday. And so what we're doing is we're working with press, with influencers to say, hey, we have a hole in our schedule or we have openings in our schedule. We would love for you to come and cover the tour, see the tour, experience the tour. So we're trying to generate our own demand. And there's a, there's multiple reasons for that. One is because we want to have consistent bookings for our guides. We want them to be able to rely on the, on that income to say, hey, I know I'm going to work Wednesday through Sunday for this tour. Like It makes it much easier for them to rely on it, to have that consistency in their schedule they know when they're going to work. We know when they're going to work. Like it's it's great for them. It's great for us because we get press and coverage out of it, and we also get content out of it. So like there's there's a multi pronged approach for like how we're and, and so I wouldn't put that squarely in the camp of like that's quote unquote organic because like we're not we're not the ones in t- like generated entirely. But I also wouldn't say it's paid because we're essentially giving away free tickets. It's a brilliant optimization strategy is what it is like what regardless of what channel that falls under i don't think is as big of a concern as much as it is how brilliant that is to go and say okay we've got this gap in time let's fill it with something that's going to generate pr for us for something that needs demand generation something that people don't inherently go like oh pizza in chicago 
that's the most valuable marketing you can do. So with all that said, I'm curious, we're talking about channels as a whole, um, and, and specifically, you know, for tours and experiences and attractions, what channels are working really well for you right now? Uh, I mean, obviously, Google is the dominant one. That's, you know, like I said, 24-7, 365. We're running that all the time, all, all day, every day. That's a great one. Our OTA partners are another key channel for us. Some of the ones, I'm not going to say that they're not working for us, but I would say they're untapped opportunities. So like I have run, I mean, obviously, with Experiment and my past clients and everything like that, I have run Facebook. I've done Facebook ads ad nauseum. Like I have run those for every brand under the sun for our brand. It doesn't really work. I mean, at least, at least not right now it doesn't. So Facebook advertising does not work for us because again, the targeting just isn't there anymore. (laughs) What's well, yeah, not anymore. specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It honestly really wasn't ever there because, um, for us, we really need to figure out like when somebody is in market, right. Either they're planning a trip or they're already in the market on their trip. That's really where we need to hit them. And there aren't a lot of indicators of that historically or even today. So so that makes it really difficult for us. I mean, one thing we have not tapped into right now is retargeting. We don't do any of that. Um, that's an easy opportunity for us. If they've already hit our website, just like hit them over the head again with our message. That makes sense. We're gonna We're going to start that again. Instagram, we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, we are on TikTok. We have content we push out on the regular on all those channels. We haven't really done a lot of paid promotion again because it, targeting for us is really weird. But I mean, like, I think there is opportunity on those channels. We just haven't cracked the targeting nut yet. The brilliant and unique opportunity for, for having placement on an OTA is that you don't have to worry about whether you're targeting people at the right place or not. When you think about people searching for something, they're looking for that booking. It's hard to catch someone in their feed. Uh, specifically, like when we t- you, you were talking about two of the four travel moments, the, you know, the dreaming, the planning, the booking, and the experiencing moments. The planning moment, airlines haven't even figured out how to target that appropriately. Who has? You know who has is Airbnb. Okay. And they're, they're a big partner of ours too. And so you know their killer app is... So somebody has somebody said, "Hey, I'm going to go to Portland, and I booked my Airbnb for Portland." And then on the confirmation page, right when you're done with that, it's like, "Well, you need stuff to do in Portland." Boom, there's the donut tour. And so, like again, tapping into those, I would say, like unexpected moments is perfect for us because, again, like you would not have sought that out yourself. You would not have been like, "I need to go on Airbnb and find a donut tour." No, nobody even knows that that exists. And so, you could even Google this right now. You go to if you go search for Airbnb Experiences Portland, we are the number one tour in Portland. And so taking advantage of that traffic, that demand of that interest is how we've been able to drive this business. Well, that leads me to a question like you look at OTAs that are hotels, flights, and cars that don't trigger what are you going to do while you're there right after you make a booking. And that's a huge opportunity. I mean, for someone to come in. Wasted, wasted opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you see like, like first tier distributors, like, you know, I guess we would bookings or, or Expedia. I think Expedia has, I believe tour bookings when you get to the. Yeah, but I can't um, Expedia has over the last couple of years. And I'm sure there's an Expedia person that's going to call me out on this, but um, (laughs) over the last couple of years, they have sort of like juked all over the place. Like Expedia used to have a tour listing page. We used to be on it. And then they canned that. I think right before COVID, I think they were thinking about going with Viator or TripAdvisor or, both and I don't I don't know where it stands these days, but 
I think they were going to partner with somebody else to, to do the listings, but we haven't picked it up since then. Like, so I don't, if there is somebody from Expedia listening, hit me up. I would love to be relisted on there. There's always someone from Expedia listing, no matter what you are, no matter what you're talking about, no matter where you are, there's always someone from Expedia <laughs> listing. They have a large enough team to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just think like you, when you think of Virgin experiences, you think of Viator, you have these, these isolated models of tours and experiences versus you know, bookings and, and Airbnb, as you said, has very well meshed those two together because Airbnb is not only letting you book the stay, it's also letting you book the experience thereafter. Yep. One of my most, uh, fun questions and probably the most painful to answer is this one, which I love asking, but tell me about a failed or, or completely failed marketing campaign or launch that you've done. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, we've, we've tried a bunch of stuff over the years. Mm -hmm. Facebook marketing was one of those. I don't think it was a a complete failure. It just didn't have the ROI that I wanted. And and what I mean by that is like we got a we got a bunch of eyeballs and we got a bunch of clicks, but we weren't seeing the bookings come out of it. And I, I would chalk that up primarily to again what I was talking about earlier with the targeting. Like the targeting just isn't there, isn't what I'd I'd want it to be. Um and as a result, it's it's just difficult. We're in it, we have a difficult niche. We've actually done some like offline events. You know, we did here in Chicago uh, a couple years ago, we did we did an event called Taste of Donuts which is a play on Taste of Chicago for anybody that knows Chicago. And we had donut shops from around the Midwest. So we had people from Michigan, Illinois, Indiana. I don't remember if we had anyone from Wisconsin. We reached out to some folks from Wisconsin, but um, we had them all come to Chicago. We had a bunch of people. We sold a bunch of tickets. I thought it was going to be a good PR vehicle for us and like some awareness. We're going to see some tickets that came out of it. Really nothing. I mean, we, you know, we, we invested... I don't know, couple couple thousand in the in the whole event. I mean, I think it was great for the for the donut shops. They got some awareness coverage. Um, we got some good relationships out of it. We we met some great partners. It, it wasn't the ticket the ticket boost that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, this is see, it's funny. So our, the last conversation I had, um, the last interview was kind of like the opposite. It was taking something offline to online. So it can fail either way, right? <laughs> yep. Yep, surely can. Yeah. But fill fast and feel small, right? Yeah, I was going to ask specific to Facebook, when did you say this is not working and cut it off? What was the trigger for you? Uh, I mean, I think when we ran those campaigns, we had minimal marketing budgets. And so I, you know, it was it was like, all right, let's do some head to head of, I think I had Facebook, maybe Twitter, Google in the mix. And I was just like, all right, let's run all these campaigns together, see how they pan out. And that pretty much dictated our marketing strategy. This was probably like, four years ago, three years ago. I mean, obviously Google's going to win out. So we kept that one in place and we just haven't, I haven't revisited like Facebook or anything since then. So, so yeah, that's, you know, that, that's sort of what dictated that. Yeah. I gotcha. So, uh, it's, a uh, <laughs> Facebook, you're not the only one that has the same experience with Facebook, not being profitable as you, as you probably know from your agency experience. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to throw Facebook completely in a bus. I have seen a lot of successful campaigns through Facebook campaigns in the past. Again, for us, it just wasn't working the way we wanted to. Yeah, really like the, the severe complications from iOS 14 launches and severe complications from privacy concerns and limitation of targeting, which is great for the end user, not as great for the marketer. Right. It always makes me think, when is LinkedIn going to do the same thing for B2B? Because um, Facebook did it for B2C and LinkedIn still opens up a lot of those options. Um, but that's a conversation for me and my marketing nerds in B2B. Um, 
Oh man. And I, I would love to have that conversation. I have a whole bunch of opinions about that, but that I'll, I'll, I'll let you decide if you want to have that today or next time. We will have that conversation over drinks for sure. All right. So I guess a couple more sections. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about what you think is happening with traveler behavior. The great thing about having, you know, you said 10, 12 um, markets that you are in, in in the U.S. and then three international, right? Yep. Yep. We got one in Dublin, one in London and one in Vancouver. Awesome. So the, the interesting thing about this is you get to see trends at a high level based on bookings because there's likely, I mean, the volume of bookings you're getting. So I know that, you know, decreasing GDP, we're technically in, depending on whose definition you ask, a recession and there's rampant inflation in the US. I, I used to buy snacks somewhere for a dollar. They're now $2. So that's 100% inflation. So there you can see how, um, how meaningfully this is impacting my ability to no, um, but just out of curiosity, what are you what are you noticing in travel behavior and traveler behavior? I mean, I think you know from from a bookings perspective, for us specifically, we're getting into like the the fall and winter season, which always for us is like a is a slower part of the year, but not it does not completely trail off. What I would say is the the nice part about our business is it's never a bad time to have a donut. You know, in the summer you'll have I'll have a donut and iced coffee, and then in the winter you're like I'll have a donut and a hot coffee, and so. So we never we never shut down completely. I think our business picks up business from other tourism related businesses. If as a for instance, you know, in the winter you can't run Segway tours, you can't run bike tours, you can't run a lot of these boat tours. Um, but people still travel to these cities and they still need something to do. And so for us, like we can pick up reviews, we can pick up bookings, we can pick up business in the fall and winter months, um, which is good for us. But that that wasn't. Your question was trends overall. I mean, I think for for me, the difference that I have seen in the traveler, and again, this is anecdotally through our reviews, is I think people are more cautious. People are more cautious now than they were pre-COVID. They don't want to stand as close to other people. You know, before they're like, oh, the, you know, if other people were touching a donut, you know, if multiple people were touching a donut, it doesn't seem like it was that big a deal two or three years ago as it is today. Like people are hyper cautious, germophobic. It's definitely, we see more of that now than we did before. Me personally, I don't know if I have changed my behaviors that much, but like, I think we're, we're seeing more of it come across in the reviews and emails and comments that we're getting from guests. Yeah. 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 I totally hear you. That's super interesting. Do you see that ever changing? Um, I think, I think as more people get vaccinated and more people get comfortable traveling again, I think over time, it will go away or get less. But I think as more variants come out, as you got monkeypox, you got whatever the next thing is, like it's just, I think it's, I think it's this, this hype cycle around some of this stuff. Everybody's on edge every two or three months because it's like, well, now there's this and now there's this. And now, and it's like, you know, until we get back to some quote unquote normality, I don't think it's going to go away in the short term. One of the interesting things that I've noticed about myself is I'll I'll go somewhere. I used to not be concerned if someone around me was coughing or sneezing. And if someone around me is coughing or sneezing, I'm like, whoa, 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 mm-hmm. whoa, back up, back up. Yeah, exactly. Like run to the other room. And and I didn't the other day and I got sick. So <laughs> you're right. It's like a negative feedback loop or positive, negative, one, one of the feedback <laughs> loops. But it's right. I certainly fall under that class of being a little bit more timid about being around people. I'm not, not being around people, but... Like I used to not think twice about sharing a drink and now I think three times about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
those are most of the questions that I have for you. I've got a couple more that I like to end these conversations with. First off, I want to offer two things. Um, Underground Donut Tour, I'd love for you to share where people can find out more about it. And then also, since we have people that are travel and tourism marketers listening to this, what what you do at Experiment and, and what you could help people with if they're interested in it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So in terms of Underground Donut Tour, I mean, if, if people are interested and they want to learn more about it, uh, you can go to undergrounddonutour.com. Or if you don't want to type all that out, you can also go to donuttour.com. Either one will get you the right place. So <laughs> that is a vanity domain right there. Wow. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah, we, we have tours in, operating in 13 cities globally. Probably by the end of the year, we're going to be about 17 cities globally. And then next year, we'll probably add another, I'm planning on next year, probably another eight to 10 cities. So who knows, we may be having this conversation in a year and I'll be up to 30. I have no idea. I mean, you know, this, this business is a rocket ship right now and it's just so much fun and I absolutely love it. And my team is fantastic. I cannot say enough good things about Underground Dog Tour. So, and then your question around experiment, like I said, I, I started this business about nine months ago. I have a couple tourism clients that I'm working with right now. I have some B2B clients I'm working with. I have some other agents. I'm helping support other marketing agencies as well. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a mix. Uh, my passion is in tourism, hospitality, you know, obviously with the donut tour, if anybody would like to talk about how can I help them or potentially even how I can partner with them, I am, I am looking to support CVBs, but also a partner to CVBs. So like, you know, how, <laughs> however, uh, however you want to take that conversation, let me know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And then last, but certainly not least, where's your next trip? The next several are going to be all over the place, DC, Toronto, Santa Monica, Portland, where else is in there? Vegas for Arrival. I'm all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm bringing some team members to Arrival. We're going to have some fun in Vegas. That's awesome. Thanks so much for coming, Jeff. It was super nice chatting with you. I'm honored to get the opportunity to share your story and share what you're doing with with our audience and uh, look forward to, to continuing our relationship. Awesome, man. Thanks. Thank you. For more empowering ideas, visit Propelic.com. We're on a mission to create more diversity in thought for the planet and dedicated to helping brands both large and small increase their reach through intelligent travel, transportation, and tourism marketing. P-R-O-P-E-L-L-I-C dot com.